0: Welcome to the next episode of the Fraud Boxer Podcast. Today, I am joined by Cleveland sports fan, Chase Foster. I've known Chase for, wow, probably 10 years now. Uh, He's been in the industry for a really long time, um, and it's quite the journey. Today, we're going to talk about his past, his time in the industry, and maybe even some of his uh, his opinions on the future. But first, I got to ask, man, what are your thoughts on the Baker News
1: Yeah. You know, uh, I was kind of sad to see how that all went down to be honest. And I think Carolina got a great deal, uh, you know, big covering, we're covering roughly 60, 70% of his contract. And, uh, you know, he's motivated to go get a new contract himself after this year. So I think, uh, I think it's a, it's great for him. Great for Carolina. And, you know, like I said, I'm sad to see, see how that all went down, but you know, it's, uh, to the Browns, so you roll with it, and uh, yeah, you do. <laughs> so what we say here is, you know, there's there's always next year, so I think that's that's kind of the sentiment right now.
0: Yeah, you got five more years of always next year coming up, so that'll be good. Yeah. Well, you know, enough of me uh, ripping on Cleveland. Enough sports talk, probably for the yeah. uh, the general audience.
1: Yeah, um, an amazing city. So yes, but yeah,
0: you got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, i'm sure a lot of people uh that were listening to this might have been at the nrf uh protect conference too so hopefully those people got to
1: have experience your city and got to see some nice things there um have people come in and, and cardinal commerce put on a nice party and uh, i think it was coming into cleveland this time of year it was it was nice we had beautiful weather so i was i was happy to see our industry uh finally have an event here
0: yeah it's nice to see it go to other towns that isn't orlando and vegas you know like i like when they do different cities i know that that mag is has a conference coming up in dallas which will be interesting um yep. certify a while, a while back did that one right before the pandemic in nashville which i thought was awesome uh more vendors do events in nashville
1: that's a great city for that yep. um and then it austin i think that- is coming up too Payments Ed, which um, which I'm involved with, we're we're going to be in D.C. here this next month, and it's cool how they always move around. Um, in fact, I think 2023 will be San Diego. So,
0: oh, that'll be easy for me. Yeah, I'm a. I, I was looking at popping over to Payments Ed, you know, um, might have to hold this one off, but I'll, I'll still try to find a way to get there. I think it'll be useful, you know. So we'll see what I can do. Well, I think that the Cardinal Commerce thing is a is a great segue. Um, you have been in our industry in a lot of different places. Um, would love to talk about like how you got into the industry, uh, and then at these companies that you are at, which happy on your story, um, just talk about them, talk about what you did there, what they do. Um, some people might not always be familiar to no, Cardinal Commerce is, is an excellent yeah. example, um, that not everybody might know what they do. So let's, yes. let's hear about Chase Foster, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. So, so I had moved back, uh, from Chicago uh, into Cleveland around 2008. Uh, and you know, it was, a. A, a, a kind of a tough economy around then, and uh, oh, yeah. after after college, I had found some success in sales and and realized you know it was something that I wanted to, you know, double down on and pursue and get better at, and um so so came back home to Cleveland to be closer to family and, you know, reached out to you know a family friend who's kind of you know well connected if you will and and you know he's like what do you want to do and Cleveland's got an amazing medical industry here with the Cleveland Clinic leading the pack and said, you know, medical equipment sales was always kind of interesting to me, you know, kind of indirectly helping people. It's a, it's a, it's a big business. It's, you know, it's a big industry and a lot of opportunity, especially here in Cleveland. And he said, oh yeah, I know the old CFO of Starris. Uh, let me connect you and you guys can have lunch and, and maybe something can can get sparked from there. And that ended up being Mike Karisman, who was the co-founder and CEO of Cardinal Commerce. And he said, well, we're, we're hiring salespeople. Huh. <laughs> so I, I Why don't you just come here? And, uh, so that's how I got into in payments and and the, you know fraud industry living here in Cleveland and um you know had an amazing journey at at Cardinal spent five years there uh, after I started I realized that one of the other co-founders Tim Sherwin's my cousin um, which was pretty cool and I get I got to work real closely with him and, and other amazing people like you know Jamie and Eric Goodman and and just a, a lot of people met some some really good good friends to this day there but. Um, yeah, Cardinal's big focus uh, was 3ds. Although in the early days, we won a lot of enterprise business by making PayPal easier to integrate for, for retailers. Um, but yeah, they, you know a lot of you know a lot of success um, rolling out, helping to roll out and grow adoption of, of 3ds. And and you know eventually Cardinal got bought by Visa, which is a pretty great you know Cleveland tech <laughs> success story.
0: Yeah, they got bought like pretty. They were like, one of the earlier acquisitions from Visa, weren't they? Like, if, yeah, like,
1: yeah, yep. They were they were years ago at this point. Um, so yeah, yeah. they're still still. You know, he's CEO there now, and and still still, um, kept in the ship there. But yeah, they're uh, and they still are growing here in Cleveland, Ohio, which is pretty cool. So Visa's given them a lot of autonomy. Uh, granted, they've had a lot of success to to earn that autonomy, and uh, they've continued to grow.
0: Yeah, I was. Uh, I've been a, a Cardinal user throughout the years. At different times, different uh, different businesses that I've been at. But I thought they were their approach like to the whole thing was really interesting. You know, like three D Secure as it's as well as it's known in Europe and as widely as it's covered in Europe. Um, not in the U.S., you know. So having a screen pop up in front of your face when you're not trying to like do something like a PayPal yeah. is can be a little alarming uh, in the U.S. And I thought that how they did kind of the 2.0 experience over the 1.0 rails was was really useful it's interesting I look at feedback from from customers uh, at, at businesses that I see responses at and uh, some businesses don't always use 3D secure all the time and you will get emails in Europe from customers saying why don't you have 3 secure. Why didn't I get the pop up? Yeah. I just think at the contrast useful. like yeah. that you would have in the US. It's like why did I get this pop up, you know? Yeah. We're just so, so used to playing fast and loose over here, but Cardinal was really I think helpful in adoption of 3D secure in the US because they made it something that worked. In the U.S., when it when yeah. most people didn't, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: before 2.0 kind of solved a lot of the issues. Cardinal helped educate merchants how to, you know, properly use 1.0 or version one to get the benefits and not always, you know, create create the unnecessary friction. So yeah, you're you're, you're right. Really helped. You know, soften the the help soften the the field and make the adoption easier for sure. Um, but it's funny thinking back to like you know 2013, you know, um, out there talking about 2.0, and then you know how how long it really took to come. Yeah, the know, mandate's
0: that. coming. The mandate's been yeah. coming for a decade.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they did a good job of bridging that gap between between the first version and second version. So absolutely. Um.
0: So then, so you were there for a while and then you, who'd you join next?
1: Yeah, so I, I, I realized to stay in the industry and, and live here in Cleveland, I probably needed to, do, you know, become a remote, you know, s- successful remote employee. And so I, I had the opportunity in my last year at Cardinal to work remote. And so, of course, I jumped on it and um, that led me to, to join Ethica in, in, uh, in 2014. And um, man, I never knew what I was, what I was in for there. And it was, it was truly some of the, the best, best time of my life. You know? uh, How'd
0: you find them? Like, did they come to you? Did you, yeah. did you,
1: yeah. You know, I stumbled upon them. I, I somebody mentioned their name to me and I, I looked them up and I I saw what they were doing, Um, you know, creating merchant issuer collaboration, you know, with the goal of reducing fraud and increasing, you know, acceptance or throughput. And I was like, man, you know, one of the biggest challenges with 3ds was the lack of collaboration amongst parties wow. in the industry, and everybody was a, always a tug of war. And I was like, if these guys are truly creating collaboration between issuers and merchants, and and, and the networks as well, I was like, that's that's a that's a winning formula. And I, I cold called them, and um, yeah, and I, Jason Howard over there, who's you know, recently left uh, as as CEO to to go start another company. Um, he you know he hired me on, and uh, he always loved telling that story of how I you know cold called in there and you know and gave that spiel. And uh, so yeah, it was, it was a great journey. And then to be part of you know one of the biggest milestones of of my career is definitely you know the Mastercard acquisition of Ethical, yeah. leading the enterprise sales efforts there for for the end for the last three years that I was there and you know, having all the success that we had and building all that, you know, that the, the culture there was just amazing. And we had such a great time working with each other and to, then to achieve that goal was something really special.
0: I will say like Ethica, you know, is obviously you cold called me pretty early in your time there when I was at Fandango. Yeah. Um, but you were like always kind of my constant whenever I joined another company, That was in any sort of chargeback trouble. I was like, I got to call Chase Foster because you're going to be there and you're going to help me. And I like, you know, we can talk about kind of like sales tactics maybe a little later on this. Um, it's the one of the ways that you approached the sales for me was was a a a better way. I mean, of course, dinners and things are nice, but the the amount of pressure and how the pressure is applied, um, was a lot. I think it was a lot better to leading to conversions than some of the ones that I get these these days. You know, I I did a, I did that other podcast talking about um, some of the things that I hate in sales, you know, especially right now, like where coming out of COVID, you know, there was no sales. And then all of a sudden people had a bunch of money trying to buy things. All the, all the businesses are ramping up. And then now we're seeing the tail of that where like the layoffs Mm -hmm. are happening and the budgets aren't being things. So I'm getting, just inundated with people trying to cover their pipelines and stuff. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. I don't yeah. want to take away from Ethica and Jason Howard and his awesome jackets that he always wears.
1: It's a good point though. And we will, we should go back to it, but you know, those early days of, of working with the folks at Cardinal, you know, Tim and Jamie and, and, you know, Colt and, and then, you know, um, the folks at Ethica, Stewart, Jason, you know, they, they, they gave me that latitude, right. To, to, to do what I thought was right. And and therefore, you know um, it, it led to success. So, so yeah, it's, it's, they, I had that, I had that um, I, I was empowered to, to uh, you know, do it the right way, treat people the right way. And, you know, not always have it be about, you know, this month's numbers or whatever. Of course we always have to hit our goals and we always have to yeah. strive, strive to, to achieve, you know, lofty numbers and, and everything else, but you do that in, in the right way. I think
0: that, um, Sales is always tricky. Like I, I did sales for a little while, like about two or three years of my life. And uh, outside of retail, I did software sales. Um, and it's hard, like it's hard because you can have the best month ever. And then, or the best quarter ever, be on top of the world, get your coffee mug. You know, it says number one salesperson ever get that little shitty statue that they give you. And then the next quarter you have a bad quarter and then you have a second bad quarter and then you're out the door. You know, you go from the top of the hill down. And I think like the, the businesses that understand the patience of, of what it takes, especially in enterprise merchants, yeah. like, you know, you I was always at enterprise level merchants when you and I would talk and the sales cycle there is grueling and it's long and procurement you know like first of all like you have to show me that there's like what the tool does show me there's a fit then we have to slot it in because i might have a tool that might be kind of covering that that i'm in a a long-term deal with an ltd and then all of a sudden we have to go through procurement. And then if you have a parent company, their version of, of what a good deal is might be different than the, the, what's negotiated. And the patience, like even before you know it, you're 18 months into a cycle, you yeah. know, and, and you you have that in your pipeline, you know, and your your sales manager's knocking on your office door saying, what's up with that one, man? Like why, yeah. we've had it in the pipe, like warm, hot deal, what's going on? So yeah, you uh, you yeah, always good, have that patience.
1: Good, good, yeah, good, good leadership, I guess. I've, I've been lucky for sure. Um, yeah and then and then you know continuing on with the journey you know after we, we we got to the mountaintop with Ethica, and you know got the mastercard acquisition and um you know it was a lot of, a lot of success for everybody there and i stuck around for a few months but yeah. it was a new challenge you know and i had never um you know worked at you know worked in processing or acquiring or, or you know core payments if you will and checkout.com was kind of like just emerging onto the scene yeah um, you know, they had just hit that two billion valuation, I think, right around that time. Yeah, they yeah. hit uh two bills with uh yeah. with nobody really, really knowing no, who yes. they were, but now we all know who they are. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And uh my my good friend Bart Phelps, who's who's another, you know, industry veteran, he he turned me on to them and introduced me to Lindsay Walker over there. And yeah, and I, I ended up uh joining checkout and, and learning a ton and and getting to be a kind of like you know, the cool and up-and-coming acquirer was a great experience because, you know, you, you, you learn a lot when um, you're, you're going through that growth, you know, and maybe you don't have every bell and whistle and you don't have every, you know, domestic acquiring license, you don't have every, yeah. you, you, learn, you learn about all these things and then, you, you know, you help build them. And that was pretty special. Um, I did, I took a break, uh, you know, I I was lured over to in the orchestration space for a bit as well, um, to Spreedly for six months, uh, which was a great experience and I learned a lot, Um, you know orchestrations an interesting space with with, uh, with, you know, um, the the, the infrastructure play right um, And
0: why don't you uh, why don't you go like, into that for, for folks that might be listening that don't quite know orchestration
1: you know orchestration can can mean a, can mean a few different things. Um, but you know at the, the crux of it all I think is is giving merchants the ability to connect to one API and having a centralized agnostic vault that can transact across many different PSPs, uh, fraud tools, um you know anything a merchant may need to 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 offer the correct payment methods to their customers and complete transactions right yeah um, so i would i would build one api
0: connection to that service and then that service on the back end facilitates all of my needs based yeah. on what like you basically check things on and off as needed.
1: Yeah and there's a lot of great companies out there you know I worked you know closely with Cyril and the, the founders of process out at my time at checkout you know obviously yeah. It's for a bit. You know, I know the folks at Gravy really well. Really great, great solutions across the board. Yeah, sorry, Gravy
0: and Surreal. I promise I'll respond to you. I know you got uh, emails in my inbox. Sorry, guys. (laughs) I promise I'll get back to you. It's been Uh busy.
1: Um, you know, and, and it's and it's 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 a it's a great solution for a lot of merchants out there. Um, you know, my the 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 kind of network I've built up uh, more in the in the in the large enterprise space. Um, you know, is is looking for kind of like I'd say the true value adds of orchestration, right? The the intelligent, you know, the analytics, the intelligence behind, you know, transactions and, and knowing where to send a transaction and when, and being able to to monitor, you know, performance and being able to do things like network tokens and to be able to do, thing, you know, to be able to have all that kind of intelligence is is really important, but to rely on one API, you know, is is, is different.
0: So there's this thing right now that I'm working on myself at my own company and then obviously I know others are um across the industry so during COVID you know we saw a lot of approval rate changes in in our payment structures and it caused a lot of people that kind of were taking their approval rates for granted to turn back inwards and look at their payment strategy you know a lot of businesses like if the payments are working the charges are flowing everything's good in the hood you know Um, But we saw a drop in declines during COVID across the board. I think almost all e-commerce merchants in the entire industry saw it. Everybody I've ever talked to has. And a lot of that was due to like new cards entering the, 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 the networks that hadn't been Seen in econ before, you know, grandma all of a sudden trying to figure out how to DoorDash is quite the uh, opportunity. (laughs) But um, it caused a lot of people to look at their overall strategy because you see a 10 point approval drop, you know, 10% of your sales look like they just went away all of a sudden or just are getting declined. So I think that the the payment structures and how you route payments in different regions really has emerged to the forefront. You know, like you see these conferences like the MRC uh, really used to focus on fraud and chargebacks, but you see the payments really starting to come up uh, to the top on those because that's so much of its own strategy now. We're used to have one payment processor doing one thing all all year long. Now you have multiple processors routing through multiple different services, looking at your 3D secure, looking at your network tokens, looking at how you update your your credit card updaters if you have subscription billing. All of these little tiny things come into play. And sometimes you have multi-layered approaches in your payments where you have a Cardinal Commerce, where you have a network token provider, where you have a gateway service, and then you have different acquiring partners on the other side. But these services, like, like the checkouts, and the spreebies, you know, come in to try and consolidate that. So you can do smart routing, use machine learning to route time of day, all like location, doing acquiring partners. I think it's a really an interesting and growing space that, that people might have been taking for granted. But now it's really out in the forefront of a lot of processing and, and e-commerce minds these
1: days. Yeah. And it's it's one thing to build all those connections and enable all of those features and functionality, but it's a whole nother thing to truly optimize it, right? And you talk about pinless routing versus network tokens versus Pan leveraging account updater, and and there's not always the silver bullet. Um, you know, yeah. I think everybody hopes you know network tokens will 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 be that you know eventually. They say back. it's going to
0: increase our approval rates, you know, yeah. but I just use it for fraud stuff and well, you know, hitting multiple transactions.
1: And and, and there is a security element, of course. And so, yeah. And if you're trying to stay, you know, outside of card storing cards and, you know, trying to keep a secure environment, it is a, it is a good thing to leverage, but yeah. So, and that's what really brought me to Pagos, the most recent adventure, you know, and and Pagos, like I had a a friend that I had worked with at checkout, Andres Diaz, and he, he one day sent me this website. Hey, have you heard of these guys? And I was like, you know, kind of, but I started doing a little research and I was like, man, if, what they're saying on their website is true. Like this is the, this, this is the product suite that I want to, you know, be be sharing with my network. And uh, so what is it? Tell us all about it. Cause got a to shout out to you know, my old friend, Sydney Hodnot, who's been, who's another industry that, you know, she, she had joined the team at Pago several months prior to me and I reached out to her and, you know, I really just like, I had an amazing role at checkout leading strategic accounts in the U S and, you know, amazing team uh, there. And, 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 uh, but yeah, they, they, this just lured me in, you know, with the stage of, of where the company's at, um, you know, pre-series A, the leadership, you know, Klaus and Albert especially, uh, and Henrik as well, um, you know, Braintree, you know, Braintrust, you know, really helped build that, that organization out in the early days, you know, Henrik, you know, with his background at Klarna and Ebanks and, um, you know, just seeming like a really good leader and somebody that I would want to partner with. Um, you know, and in the, in the, in like I said, having that product suite that I felt is just so timely um, and, 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 and yeah, it was an easy, you know, ended up being a pretty easy decision for me. But yeah, I mean, at the, at the crux of it all, uh, Pagos is a, a payments data intelligence platform. So that's why I was like, perfect segue, because what we're all about is taking like all those complexities in a merchant's payment stack and making it easy for them to gain ins- actionable insights you know, monitor monitor their performance, benchmark their performance, really get put an expert lens on their payments without really doing any work, um, literally out of the box.
0: Yeah. And like, uh, so like me, like I'm big on on looking at like bins. Like I think a lot of people don't as much. I mean, it's getting to be more in that way, but individual bins and individual issuers have different levels of performance um, and different chargeback profiles, some sometimes they let more chargebacks through than they should. But that was something that like we do a lot of intelligence around how we how we do our risk rating on certain bin types. Is that something that I could get from your tool, for example?
1: Yeah, I mean, drilling down to all the different analytics around bins, um, you know, is, is, is key, of course, to our platform. Yeah, so, so definitely being able to drill down to the bin level for multiple purposes, uh, like I said, across multiple factors is, is really important. And speaking of bins, you know all, all of our products are named after birds and i think the first product um called parrot that 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 our founders built was a, a, a an accurate smart bin table refresh service oh. um so we've we've gone out and integrated all the different networks including pinless and, and the the international networks to pull in truly accurate you know um, Granular uh, bin data for for def- not even just for merchants. We've got you know fraud tools, orchestration platforms, and enterprise merchants using this to to get smarter for both you know fraud fraud rules, risk rules, and and uh, routing as well. So um, it's been interesting. It's so timely, you know, especially with the change, the switch to eight-digit bins. Um, and the complexities there. Oh, um, my favorite thing ever. Become, <laughs> yeah, let's not get into that. Yeah, it's become really interesting though, and, and and a lot of folks have been benefiting from it. So, yeah, yeah that's nice having multiple products, uh, multiple birds. Um, you know, as we say at, at Pagos, and multiple it's going birds. Out of time and and you know, it seems like there's some something for everybody. Whether it's Toucan, which is network tokens. Um, you know, an agnostic network token solution, uh, Parrot, smart bin Smart Bin service, um, Loon, which is global account updater. And then you've got Peacock, which is our data visualization platform and Canary, like Canary in the coal mine, which monitors- <laughs> basically I, I tell it that, you know, merchants payment stack is the coal mine. And, and we put the Canary in there to to, to let the, let the machines do the work, you know, of, let,
0: of course, <laughs> to,
1: let these, to let these payments professionals go grow the business, go find, you know, go, go work on, on, on important things while we monitor and, and, and track performance and predict, predict uh, opportunities and, and potential issues as well. So it's, it's, it's exciting, man. I'm, I'm really excited for, for our future and, um, and, and the growth ahead of us. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite bird? i have to say the cardinal um because it's the state bird of ohio and you know on a snowy <laughs> winter day and in, in cleveland and if you see a cardinal out there it's a beautiful sight. are
0: you from ohio originally
1: yeah, yeah cleveland cleveland area
0: so you're from there so then you, you moved to chicago then you came back yeah,
1: correct yeah after college i, I lived in chicago for a, for a few years
0: did uh, you the- uh did you hate um that 70s show was it?
1: A... <laughs> I'm I'm indifferent, I suppose. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's like the
0: only Cleveland thing that I even uh, really a Cleveland shows. Are there any other shows like Oh Hot in Cleveland? Right? Isn't that like uh, a, a show? Right?
1: Drew Carey's from Cleveland.
0: Okay, it's that's like, right. He did. He had that show. I remember that. Yeah. now he's a...
1: yeah. It was probably loosely based on, on on his time here. Yeah.
0: Man, that show was a long time ago. Yeah. Wow, I did the Prices Right once. I didn't get on stage. Um <laughs> so um that's a pretty that's a pretty good story. You had some pretty good pretty good companies there. Pretty good wins actually, you know. A lot of those companies um yeah. they they had success and are having success, you know, especially like yeah. uh, Cardinal and Ethica. I think that Mastercard's done a really really good job with with all of their acquisitions and how they've integrated those products into their their daily life. Um so very happy with with that there. Um you know you, you've had these, you kind of touched on some of the things that, that you're proud of. What, what do you think are a couple of things that you're most proud of in, that you've accomplished in your, what, 13, 14, 15 years in the industry here? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I think, you know, we talked about the Ethica acquisition, you know, just being, you know, part of that team and, and helping, you know, drive to that success was obviously a big, big milestone in my career thus far. Um, you know, but really it's, it's you know, the network uh, that I've built up and, and the friendships and, just kind of like how you talked about, like, you're going to move around to come to companies more on the merchant side. And, you know, you're always going to call me up or take my call or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's just, it's just, I've, I've always tried to treat people the way they want to be treated and, and, you know, and, and yeah, I just sometimes have to pinch myself to just think of like, you know, where, where I've come and you get a bit of like the imposter syndrome sometimes, you know, you're like, what? you know, what, what did, there. I, what did I do to get here? And so I just kind of reflect on it. And like, what I can say is just like, yeah, building up that network of, of, of in the industry has, has been really rewarding and something I'm very proud of. Um, and now reaching the point where, you know, I'm mentoring some, some folks that are earlier on their journey, you know, than, than I am, you know, that I was them at one point And, you know, explaining to them, you know, just my approach and kind of how my story and how I got to where I'm at and how I like to, to approach, you know, you know, sales opportunities and working with, with, with merchants and others. So, yeah, that's kind of the, you know, what sticks out to me.
0: I think that the mentoring thing is, is good because like we, going back to what we were talking about earlier with um, strategies on how to sell to merchants, um, you see a lot of, especially like the, some of the newer companies that are still in like VC stage um, where they're running on VC money. You yeah. the, they hire a lot of salespeople, like, you know, fresh out of college, which there's nothing wrong with that. You know, everybody's got to cut their teeth somewhere,
1: yeah. um,
0: but you see a different level of approaches that come in from the folks. Who, I got one company that's, that's been around for a few years, and I would say I get at least three or four different salespeople from them each and every year that um, first blow me up on LinkedIn like all day long. You can see when they're clicking, then they try and add me with the send them. Like I actually had to change my my LinkedIn to have you have to know my work email in order to add me because
1: oh, I was just getting
0: have- I was getting destroyed <laughs> daily from salespeople, but now like. I get them that they fall into my inbox too, you know, and They're just
1: it's doing their job. They're just doing, I know,
0: job. I know. And, and I, and I really can't knock it because I got a job to do too. I got to be the bad guy that declines transactions. It's just like the, the approaches could be interesting. And, and like I said, on, on, on fraudology with Carice, you know, like there's a couple of things that I really, really hate. It's like, if I tell you no, for example, if I, if I'm like, Hey, there's not a good fit. Like I'm not going to tell you no. Yeah. Like a dick at first, but if I tell you no, and then you try and go around me and go yeah. to somebody else in my company uh, or even like a treasury person or something like that oh, and absolutely. try and say that I'm screwing up. Then oh. I'm going to be a dick to you for probably the rest of your career in the industry. And, and sometimes it's it's it sucks because it's it's like not a salesperson salesperson. That does it. It's like a founder of a company and it just leaves a bad taste yeah. in my mouth of their of their organization forever. Um, yeah, I, I try yeah. to I, I try to be I try to be neutral. I try as best as I can. You know, obviously I have vendors that I work with and everything, but I, there's, there's still always bad taste, like really yeah. get left in the mouth. Like there are certain foods that I don't eat because I had a bad taste and I'll never eat those foods again, <laughs> if yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, mentor, yeah, mentor them good. Like what, what is your, like, what are yeah. your, like your top three things that you do for, yeah. not for salespeople? Like what are your, what are your rules? Like your, your golden rules to live by?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it, it is the golden rule. It's, you know, it, and take it a step further and tr- trying to treat them the way you, you think they want to be treated, right? And, um, you know, I think, yeah, what you outlined there is just, you know, atrocious to me, right? Like, especially, you know, and I'm not, you know, I've been through a lot of sales trainings throughout the years and, and uh, you know, even before I got into payments and whatnot. And, you know, the, the I don't know what book they 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 taught that tactic in, but but you know, usually a no is 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 fine in sales, right? I, I think mean, it's the, uh, the the Glenn game. Gary Glenn
0: Ross uh, <laughs> education of Alec yeah. Baldwin.
1: I <laughs> mean, yeah, I won't stretch it and say a no is good, but a no is good because it allows a salesperson to move on to the next opportunity, right? And it's an answer, I think, you know, and that and that's what we're always after, right? Is is it no, it's not a good fit? Okay, great, thank you, you know, like, and move on. And, and, you know, if you do disagree, you know, or if you do feel so strongly that they can really benefit from your solution and it's you're really accurate about it, prove it to them and, and, you know, and give them use cases and and statistics and reasons and, and case studies, but going around somebody is, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's it's just the worst. That's I, w- I would advise, uh, you know, and so, but I think, yeah, just, you know, my, my style is, is, you know, I'll tell you, it's like I said, I've been through a lot of sales trainings. I couldn't tell you the names of them. Don't care. But the one training that I got that really stuck out to me and was, I don't want to say the most valuable, but really like stuck with me was, um, when Stuart at Ethica had us all to his, his, his lake house. And, uh, he had somebody come in and do a, uh, do a training on empathy in business. And it was just, mm. like, it was, it really hit home for me because I think generally I'm an empathetic person, but just kind of putting like, some, some context around it in the business world. And, and, you know, and I just, it really like hit home for me. And I was like, I'm going to double down on this and make sure that I'm always employing this tactic. And, uh, and I think it's, again, I think it's led to a lot of my success and, you know, because it's allowed me to, to, to build up true relationships. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, people like to buy from people they like now, of course, the technology needs to work. You know there needs to be you know all there needs to be a use case, of course. But at the end of the day, like we love working with people we like, and I'm the same way.
0: Yeah, have you ever read Radical Candor by uh, Kim Scott?
1: I have not. But yeah, I'm, I mean I'm it's honest.
0: it's like a management book, you know. That um, I mean, I'll talk about it on another one of these podcasts that I have coming up with a learning and development person. It's uh, swept the the Silicon Valley for a while there. Like people have their opinions about it. Like don't use it as a gospel. But I think the empathy thing is is talked about in in her little um, model that she uses with like the little cross and everything. Yeah. And there's like there's a balance in, in the empathy that goes a long ways. I remember when I worked in, in call centers back in when the economy was dead, like you talked about at the beginning, that was how I had to survive. Yeah. Um, there was, you, you always had to be empathetic to the caller, but there's a line when you can tell it's fake. Like one of the things like, hey, you call up T-Mobile, you know, and you're like, my phone isn't working oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that your phone isn't yeah. working. I'm going to do everything I can to, to, like, you just wasted 10 seconds of my life. Yes. Like,
1: let's See, get the problem must, fixed. This must make you feel so frustrated. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And that's yeah. why, like, even when I was at, when I was doing the, the call center work at, at Netflix, even a little later than that, like, people would call in and be like, my TV isn't working. I'm like, okay, well, let's fix it. Like, that's still yeah. empathetic, but yeah. we're getting to the problem too. We're, we're respecting yeah. their time. We're
1: moving on in, in the in the conversation. Yeah uh, yeah, it's in sales. It's, it's more about just like kind of what you described, like just not doing stuff like thinking, you know, go thinking, you know, better and going around people and and all that sort of thing. Just really, you know, just, just doing things that make sense for people and never trying to put my, my company's goals ahead of, you know, letting that drive how I treat people. Right. And, um, and somehow the company goals still get met, and and manage to treat people the, the way they want to be treated. So it works out well.
0: There's a an old article that was posted on LinkedIn a few years ago by uh, somebody from Netflix. Actually, it was like one of their old security folks. Uh, his name is Jason Chan, and he I still use it to this day. Like he, it's like the big things about how to sell to security folks I think a lot of it crosses over to fraud folks but a couple of the things that I think are are like super important that I see with people that try and go out around me or the cold emails that I get one of them is like don't assume you understand the problems that I'm facing or that you know what should be on the top of my priority list every organization has a different threat model culture and risk tolerance and I think that that is something that like that one phrase there and I'll put it in the in the quotes inside the description if I have enough space on this yes. posting but it's true because I see like these emails come in. It's like, I can solve your fraud problems with this tool that they don't even understand themselves. And it's like, you don't even know if I have a fraud problem. So mm-hmm. how can you solve a problem that doesn't even exist for me, you know? Um, it's just not how you get And like, and the phone calls like, do you, you ever call Did you ever do that? Like, I mean, we, we say cold call a lot, like in, in it's like a part of the lexicon of how you do sales, you know? But now it's emails on LinkedIn and things mm-hmm. like that. Like. If you call me on the phone, I'm probably less inclined this day and age, because I'm probably on a meeting when you call me, (laughs) like be respectful of my time.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I think the phone is, I mean, I don't know. People may feel, feel strongly against this, but for me, it's pretty obsolete. You know, it's, you know, unless I'm friends with them, like, yeah, you, know, you can I mean, call me and you do call right. me, you know, that's I, a different thing, you know? <laughs> and, you know, 95% of the time it's not about work. Um, but yeah, no, I, I exactly, unless I'm like friends with the person, um, I'm not going to call them because it's almost like obtrusive at this at the, where we're at with technology now. You know, you, everyone gets their emails, they get their LinkedIn's, you know, and then you set up a Zoom or something, and yeah. And it's set up, right. You're not just trying yeah. to catch somebody off guard, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. There's been oh a- yeah.
0: That reminds me of one last thing, everybody. Don't just drop time on someone's calendar completely <laughs> unannounced. Don't do
1: that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, um, we had a pretty good story. Anything else you want to add? No, I just appreciate, you know, being on here and, and being number two, um, you know, and, and, uh, so I, I listened to your first one and it was great. And I'm, I'm proud to be. Yeah, we're, we're, we're a work in progress.
0: We're learning. I'm learning how to work the mic. I got that really yeah. far away from my face today. Uh, I'm going to put um, links to Pagos in there. Um, I'll put yeah, your LinkedIn you. in, in the description. Thank all of you. that fun stuff. Um, so, so real quick, one last thing. Uh, Cleveland Browns, what do you think their record's going to be? Super
1: Bowl? Uh... Oh, man. <laughs> I think we're waiting to see the, the length of the suspension before yeah, you, got, you got a quarterback <laughs> problem that we don't need to talk about right a, now. <laughs> we have a quarterback issue as as usual here in Cleveland uh going into the season. So it's been it's been quite the the roller coaster. So but nonetheless, man, it's a great roster. So if yeah. uh we can run the ball a lot, you know, and, and make it easy on on, on Set or whoever's gonna be our quarterback, then uh, you know, I think I think we could I think we could, could, could pull off a wildcard spot. Yeah. Well,
0: if you're driving by the, uh, by the stadium anytime, be sure to pop in and tell them that I am still available and I'm an unrestricted free agent. I'm willing to pop in for a year and fill some cleats. So, you know, it's just the, off, the offer is there. It's on the table. <laughs> very, that's yeah, very
1: generous of you. I'll, I'll, I'll pass the word.
0: Well, thank you for your time. Um, like, like Chase said, you know, this is going to be episode number two, uh, I don't know what the cadence is gonna be just quite yet. I don't wanna overwhelm everybody. So probably gonna be a little bit of length between episodes. Um, Feel free to reach out to me, reach out to Chase if you have any questions guys. Um, you know, like and subscribe, you know, hit the bell, all that stuff. Um, I really thank everybody for listening. Um, as we as we go through this journey together, if you see anything that you want guests or any requests that you have, feel free to to shoot me a message. You know, I really thank everybody for listening as I go through this little fun project and have my friends on here and just have conversations about fraud. I love talking about fraud. I'll talk about it all day. And once again, Chase, thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. Jeremy. All right, take care.